Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffon's passionate rants on Buffon 55 Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Greg Grabiel, Greg Grabiel, Greg Gabriel Talks Football. G-A-B-R-I-E-L. There's an angel named after me. Oh, that's right. I just listened to the Matt Nagy press conference. I'm a little flustered by all the non-answers he was providing. How are you, Greg? I'm good. And uh, just before we started the roll, you said, well, he's, not, of course, not going to provide the Detroit Lions with uh, strategic information as to who's going to start and so forth. So why don't you share with uh, people what your feelings are on the fact that Matt Nagy avoided certain questions in this press conference that we just heard? Okay, well, number one, I thought they made a mistake last week. If you remember... When we record last week, Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it was, right? I thought that you know there were still some questions on exactly what the injury was to Andy Dalton, and that you probably should have listed him limited during the week, even if he did nothing, and to let Cleveland prepare for two. But instead, on Wednesday they said oh, Justin Fields is starting. And now that gave Cleveland, you know, four days to prepare for a rookie. And you saw what happened. And, you know, so part of that, I think, goes on the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, I don't think Cleveland does everything they do if they thought there was a chance they were going to be playing against a better. They went in there with two things in mind. Disrupt everything that a rookie quarterback could do. Confuse the shit out of them. 
and stop the run game. So you'd be in second and long, third and long. And they accomplished that goal 100%. My hat's off to Cleveland Browns. They had a great defensive game plan. And they they just executed it to perfection. As we talked about off air, they lined up their defensive ends out a little bit wider than normal, made it that much more difficult. And, and both of those guys can run now. Mm-hmm. So they made it. Uh, you know, and I'm talking Clowney and, and Garrett and, and Garrett might be the fastest defensive lineman in football. Uh, so, you know, they made it, it made it that much more difficult for the tackles to get out wide to stop these guys. And it just made life a living hell for Justin Fields and the rookie start. I'm saying that and you saw the tweet because I you, you retweeted it. I said, I tweeted out a couple hours before the game. I hope Bears fans don't expect too much. Mm-hmm. You know what? I expected everything. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be close. Mm. Close to the, meaning close to that bad. Yeah. Because that's, and, and, and you look at what has happened to the rookie quarterbacks in the league. They've been getting their asses kicked. And why? Because mm. they're rookies. Mm hmm. Yeah, that is true. The rookie quarterbacks, those five prized uh, rookie quarterbacks uh, from the first round are 1-11, and and statistically, the four guys who have seen significant playing time are ranked statistically among the lowest in the league. Uh, so that they're having some growing pains, but that's been true of uh, great quarterbacks throughout the history of football. Yeah. Uh, so go, go back and look at Troy Aikman's stats when he was a rookie. He mm-hmm. won one or two games. Look at Peyton Manning what he did as he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Life is not easy for these guys because they just they don't process things as quickly as a veteran does. They don't get the ball out of their hands. You know the, the one thing, and we mentioned it last week. That, you know Andy doesn't have that great arm where he's going to you know stretch the field. He's got a good enough arm, but not a great arm. He doesn't have a Justin Fields arm but he gets the ball out of his hand real quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. So some of those sacks, he's going to take those away because the ball's out of his hand already. Mm -hmm. Okay. And where is Justin is sitting and waiting a little bit. And you know, when you, when you don't get the ball out in two, two and a half seconds, bad shit happens. Yeah. Especially when you've got a, you know, a, a, an offensive line that, really isn't playing to full strength. When you look at the line that's playing now and what they thought they were going to have going into the season, it's two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and prior again to uh, uh, showtime here, you talked about the Browns uh, edge rushers, those two phenomenal athletes being lined up wider than yeah, you. That's what I, and I just said that. Yeah. And they're both very fast. Mm-hmm. Garrett's a, he might even be a, I, I don't remember what his time was. He might even be a sub four or five guy, but very mm-hmm. fast. He's big, he's strong, but they lined him up wider and that makes it more difficult, especially, you know, you got a 39 year old left tackle who up until that point hadn't played that badly in the first two games. Mm-hmm. And they gave it what two or three sacks in the first two games. They gave up nine in this last game, but they weren't going up against guys like Miles Garrett and, and Clowney. So, uh, and they're not going to be going up against those two guys this weekend in Detroit. So, you know, I, I think that if the Bears were a little bit more or less vague on who they were going to play last week, 
you wouldn't have seen some of that stuff mm -hmm. because Cleveland would have had to prepare just a little bit differently. So um, you've given Cleveland their due credit, and I agree with every word you said, but what about Matt Nagy and his offensive scheme? How did he fail this rookie quarterback? Well, you know, that that's a good question, and, and, and I've been looking at it literally all week, and not all week, the, the last few days, and trying to – to, to figure it out myself. And, and they were never in a winning situation mm -hmm. as far as down and distance. I don't think there was one time, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, everything was just shot to hell right, right from the get go. And again, that's a credit to Cleveland. Now, could they have tried? They did try to boots. They got hit for a loss. Mm -hmm. You know, anything they tried failed. Now, is that on that? Yeah, a lot of it's got to be on that, but some of it's got to be on the blocking scheme. You know, everything failed. So, you know, it's one of those games that, and you know what? The defense played well enough to win. Mm -hmm. The defense played outstanding, but they're on the field for like three quarters of the game. And finally, you know, they gave up some plays in the second half. Can't blame them for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if the offense did anything, you might have had a game. They didn't. It's one of those games where you want to burn the frickin' film. <laughs> and, and and you have those. But now, you know, going back to the press conference, I, I, I understand exactly what Matt was saying. I'm reading the comments as they're coming up, you know, on Twitter. It, 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 anybody who writes a comment you're reading, I felt like saying, well, you guys just shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, it... it, it <laughs> First of all, he he made the mistake last week of saying Justin Fields is our quarterback this week. He's telling you today, it uh, could be Justin Fields, could be Andy Dalton, could be the other guy. You know, so we don't know who's going to play. Mm -hmm. we, we, we'll we'll find out. We'll figure it out during the week. Well, already knows. He knows who's going to play, and mm -hmm. they're going to practice it that that way, and they're going to, you know, adjust the game plan accordingly. Now, as, as far as the, uh, the play calling goes, I guarantee you he's not calling the plays. Mm -hmm. The laser's calling the plays. But why should he tell Detroit that? What, what's and, the, and the reason, I'll tell you the, the, reason, the reason why Detroit now has got to do They're thinking the same thing. Is Nagy calling the plays? Because you know they listened to that press conference. Or some, you know, they had their people do it. One of the, uh, you know, GA type guys listened to the press conference or whatever. And so they got to go back now to last year and look at how Laser called a game mm -hmm. versus how Nagy called a game. And they were totally different things. The playbook's the same. It's how you utilize the playbook. Mm -hmm. The plays don't change. <clears throat> so... But it's what you do in certain situations. So, but I, I was just, you know, I listen carefully and I'm just reading between the lines. Sure. And reading between the lines, he's not calling the plays. Okay. Well, that's going to make a lot of people happy. Here is uh, a Paul Hembeckedis. He is the producer statistician for ESPN. He says, uh, Justin Fields had 30 dropbacks. There were just four using pre-snap motion. Two, just two using max protect, just two with design rollouts, and just two 
with design quarterback runs. When you look at something like that, and this is, of course, disputable. That's his interpretation of things. But even if it's relatively close, it does seem to me that Matt Nagy's scheme betrayed Justin Fields. Your thoughts? Well, part of that, Eldo, has a lot to do with what the down and distance is. You can go into a game and, and say, I want to do this, this, and that. But if you're stuck with second and nine or second and 12 and, and, and third and 10, mm-hmm. that all goes out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you, you can look at it two ways. And, and trust me, I am not sticking up for anybody. I've just done this long enough to know that, you know, each game is different. Each season is different. Each series is different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you got to adjust accordingly. And you can have the, you can go into a game thinking you got the best game plan in the world. And it goes to shit because of, of what a good job the opponent's defense did to take away what you want to do. <laughs> so I think what, what they're trying to do this week now is, don't forget, you got a new coaching staff in, in Detroit. So this group is is relatively new, working together. So th- th- they've got to look at it a little bit harder, and now they've got to look at, you know, prepare for a Matt Nagy type. The offenses are the same, but a Matt Nagy type play calling versus a Bill Lazor type play calling, and prepare for it both ways. And they got to prepare for one of three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. What uh, is your opinion of people or or the thought that Justin Fields could be ruined by a head coach who doesn't scheme for him properly, particularly in his rookie year when he's still learning how to read defenses, how to get rid of the ball quickly, and so forth? Because there's certainly things that the coaching scheme could have helped the young guy with. But my question for you is, should we be concerned as 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 football lovers, as Bears Bears fans, uh, or should we be concerned that Justin Fields could potentially be ruined by Matt Nagy? Let's go back to what I've been saying since April after the draft, mm-hmm. and and when Matt said right from the get go, he's not playing, he's watching. And what did I say? My answer was, you put him in there too early, and he gets things don't go good, you're going to kill the kid. I recall that, yes. Okay? And I, I've seen it happen. And, and again, you look at the success rate or lack thereof of the rookie quarterbacks in the league this year, all highly thought of. Mm-hmm. Oh, Zach Wilson, the New York quarterback, has thrown six picks in the last two games. Mm-hmm. You think he's not getting ruined right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, but to go back to your question, it's, I think one game is, is too quick to say that, you know, I, again, I expected that. And that's one of the reasons I sent out that tweet last week before the game. I right. said, this, this isn't going to be good. And, and we talked about it a little last week. That's a tough place to play against a team that's on the rise Mm-hmm. You know, they're feeling it. They're saying, hey, we got we got a chance to do some things. They're like the Buffalo Bills last year, too. And, and, and so they're playing with a lot of enthusiasm. 
they're playing at home, uh, tough stadium to play in, loud stadium, very vivacious crowd. Shoot, I mean, there was nothing going for the Bears in that thing. Okay, now you got to – I would have much rather seen Justin Fields start this week for the first time than last week. Yeah. At home, but that's not the way the cards fell. So, you know, we'll see what happens this week. But I, I, I think going forward, you can't make a rash decision on one game because we've seen team, teams play lousy in one game and come back and play strong the next week. Look at how awful Green Bay looked in the first game. Yeah, right. And, and now, now they look strong. Yeah, and, now, and and then they come back, they go out to say, nobody gave them a prayer to beat San Francisco out in San Francisco. That's right, I didn't. <laughs> they beat them. They beat them well, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, and granted, they got Aaron Rodgers, but each game, again, is their own entity. Sure. You know, throw it last week. <clears throat> it means nothing. That game's over with. Mm-hmm. You, after you go through the film and you go through the corrections with your players, you throw it in the garbage can, you're on the next week. Greg, there does, though, seem to be a disturbing consistency in how Matt Nagy coaches the offense and young quarterbacks. So people are pointing at Mitchell Trubisky and wondering, did Matt Nagy really help him as much as he he was advertised to be that he was a quarterback whisperer that he comes from that Andy uh, Andy Reid school right. of developing quarterbacks and so forth. So Mitchell Trubisky underperformed with the exception of a handful of games, and in particular, he played well when Bill Lazor was calling the plays. So the concern by Bears fans is that. Perhaps Matt Nagy's reputation is too blown up and that he really isn't the offensive genius we thought we were getting from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Well, he, he knows and he understands Andy's offense. So people want to say, number one, this is Nagy's offense. No, it's not. This is Andy Reid's offense. Mm-hmm. And Andy Reid's offense works. But it's how you use that offense and the players that you have to run that offense mm-hmm. and I, okay. So the play calling, etc. Now in saying that, and I think I mentioned it a while ago, uh, might've been during the preseason. I was surprised when, when Nagy said that he was taking back the play calling away from laser. Why? Because I thought laser really did a good job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Given the circumstances, you know, playing with some limitations, you had a lot of, Guys hurt on the offensive line. You had that, that offensive line was in total flux last year, uh, you know, with injuries and putting guy had basically a different lineup every week. And, you know, considering that, and, and they still got to a playoff game, he, he did a pretty good job. So why did Matt take the play calling back? Well, you, you know, you, you can knock him in the head for that one. And, and say ego might have played into it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's his prerogative. He's the head coach. And if he's going to go down, I'm going to go down my way or whatever. But I think that, again, I, I'm reading between the lines and I might be 100% wrong, but you and I both heard the press conference. And my initial perception of that was that somebody else is calling the plays. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's maybe it's Steve Filippo. Maybe it's not even laser. Maybe it's flip. You know, but I don't think it's going to be naked. 
Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, again, from, on behalf of all Bears fans, you, you've talked us off the ledge, if, if that's the, the case. <laughs> um, here's another concerning thing that I saw. I was at Cleveland and had great seats and was able to see this young that's a great stadium, by the way, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. That one in the baseball stadium, or again, the Chicago team lost on Saturday night when I was there. The Sox were cleaned up by six to nothing by the Indians. So it wasn't uh, from a, a, a spectator standpoint. Well, well, it wasn't sorry, now we know what the problem is. <laughs> that's stay, right. stay the hell home. <laughs> well, and I got tickets to the Lions game, so maybe I should just stay home. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, this way, when they build, and we should talk about this, when they build a new stadium, you can walk over. <laughs> yes. And if they lose for every game that I go, then I promise not to go ever. Uh, and we'll talk about the Arlington Heights thing uh, momentarily, but uh, the one of the disturbing things that I saw, and it's something that has not been talked about much. You've alluded to it a number, not not alluded. You've you pointed it out a number of times, and I want you to amplify on that. Is that I saw Justin Fields not seeing the field well, making uh, one read decisions. I saw a quarterback who had open receivers on a handful of plays and just did not hit them. And I saw a quarterback who held the ball too long. Now that those are facts. That's what I saw. But if you go back and look at the tape, I and, and Danny Shimon will do this on Thursday night. He's picking out a few plays to to a- analyze this. Th- that's what happened with Justin Fields. He's he's not ready yet to you know at least to be a a a core an established quarterback that you can depend on to throw anything from the playbook at him he's a rookie going through rookie growing pains and and know what it is it's the unsurety of what you're seeing it's not that he's not capable of doing it because we already know he is but it's like am I trusting what I'm seeing on the other side of the line of scrimmage? Mm-hmm. And you get that hesitation and that hesitation, the, it, it might be a half a second, but that half a second's too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so hopefully the game plan upcoming, the upcoming game plan for Detroit is going to make allowances for that. If Justin Fields is the starting quarterback, what's your gut feel um, perhaps Nick Foles, who is the healthiest of the three quarterbacks, potentially starting Sunday. I, I don't know. I don't think they want to go that route unless they absolutely have to. Um, I was surprised that he said that uh, Andy's going to do something today. To what extent? Who knows? And, you know, at 4 o'clock or 4.30 when the injury report comes out, You'll probably see Nick Foles full, Justin Fields limited, Andy Dalton limited. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that – now, limited means you could sit out one set of, of downs mm-hmm. and you're full limited. You're not participating in everything. So, you, you know, you can stretch the meaning of those words. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, based on what doctors have said about a – the kind of bone, quote, bone bruise that Andy Dalton has, that could be a four-week injury. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm using, and I, I talked to Dr. Chow, who is pretty good with that. He's the first guy that came out with bone bruise and, um, and exactly what was happening. And 
In fact, there was a thing on YouTube that he had that you ought to watch it if you haven't seen it. That it, it, it's really interesting about exactly what happens that causes the, the bone bruise. Oh, and then he and and about you know Andy Dalton because he thought when he first saw it, it was a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. By the way, his his leg shifted and buckled. Uh, but anyway, again, going back, I. You know, I, I, I think I'm hoping, so I'm, I'm thinking out loud, that they'll play more into Justin's type of game, similar to what they had to do with Mitch when Mitch was new in this scheme, is mm-hmm. get him out on the perimeter and throw. You're really playing a little bit more of a half-field offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can do it, but when you got the, the opposing defense sitting in your face, you know, three quarters of a second after the snap of the ball, it makes makes it pretty difficult. So the offensive line's got to step up here and do a lot better. But they're going to have to do some max protect. They're going to have to maybe play less with three wide receivers, more with two tight ends, and keep a tight end to chip and then have him drop off into the flat, mm-hmm. you know, for check down, things like that. You know, so just adjust things a little bit to, to help out the quarterback. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because that was one of the questions I wanted to pose to you is can you, no one knows offensive linemen like you do from uh, a a performance evaluation standpoint. Can you tell us from left tackle to right tackle what you thought of the offensive line play Sunday against Cleveland? And is it a concern that perhaps the Browns have exposed the limitations of some of the offensive linemen on this team. You know, some of the stuff they were doing, they were doing overload blitzes and stuff. When, mm-hmm. when I tell you they threw the book at Justin Fields, they threw the they anything they got in the playbook, they threw. Mm-hmm. You know, they had different kinds of blitzes, overload blitzes. And you know what I mean when I say an overload blitz? Yes. Okay, right. so you might have two guys to block and you're sending three or you're sending four. Somebody's yes. coming free. Right. Like a 40, okay. like the Bears 46 was, right? Right. They, they did a lot of that. Right. So they were doing that to make things difficult. There's not a whole lot the offensive line can do unless you keep in a tight end and keep in a back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you 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 remarked uh, before we started rolling that uh, uh, Peters <laughs> just doesn't have the lateral movement to play against a speed rusher like Garrett. I mean, you may have said that on the air, so I, I apologize if we're repeating no, I, I, you know that I, I think that he has. If you go back and you look at the tape from the first two games, there's plays when he put people on their backs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he can still play, yep. but he doesn't have that suddenness. You know, Justin Peters was a tight end in college. Mm-hmm. It was a 310 pound tight end because I went to Arkansas and saw him. You know, he was a huge tight end. So. And then Buffalo signed him as a uh, UDFA and, and turned him into a tackle. So he, he never played that position until he became a pro, but hell, he's been a pro since the turn of the century. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's been around a long time. Right. So he, but still you, you go against Miles Garrett, you're going you know, arguably the best outside rusher in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that same group handled Aaron Donald pretty good. Aaron Donald didn't do anything until the last 
five minutes of the game against the, in the Rams game in game one. That's right. Uh, but, and, and Borum had to go in because, uh, uh, and I thought Borum played pretty good when he went in mm-hmm. uh, and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. But going uh, last week, you know, game two, I, I, I thought that, you know, the line as a whole wasn't that the line wasn't the problem. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the running game was better. Right. You know, they just, so it, it's, you got to get everything to click. And you know me, I'm an optimist. I don't, you know, this bottle is always half full. There might only be this much water in it, but it's half full. I love the way you think. Uh, somebody in the chat room asked, who do you think is, uh, it's Mule Skinner, who do you think is the best blocking back on the team? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say Montgomery right now. I don't know much about Williams as a blocker to say, you know, he's in the same class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Khalil's a, a rookie. And how many rookies? Yeah. I'll tell you, there's, there's going to be a back coming in to the league next year because he'll probably leave. That's going to be one of the best blockers as a rookie. And that's the kid at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That kid is special as a blocker. Mm-hmm. You can't wait to see more of him. All right, so let's uh, talk about the defense a bit because I thought they played phenomenally for three quarters, and it was clear that they were gassed and they were banged up. Yeah, we, we of course know Khalil Mack uh, was limping uh, during the course of the game, and I thought it was heroic when he came back out there. Uh, for the second half, and he was encouraging his teammates. Akeem Hicks was definitely not himself. But overall, what's your evaluation of the defense, and who would you like to highlight for for a job well done? Well, first, how about let's give Quinn a little bit of a applause, you know, because he took a lot of heat during the offseason. Mm-hmm. Some bitches got four sacks in three games. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it doesn't look like that is going to all of a sudden stop mm-hmm. because he's playing good football. It really is. And, and then, you know, the two young guys, and, and uh, Ada Ochu isn't that young, but he's been in the league four or five years. But Good player. I think, uh, yeah, well, he's been a consistent player throughout. He's not a great player, but mm-hmm. he's a guy that can get you, you know, five, six sacks a year. Mm-hmm. Now he's playing in a, he's not a starter, but he's getting his reps. Gibson had to play more because Mac hurt his foot. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure you're going to see Mac's not going to practice today. He's not going to practice tomorrow and he'll probably be limited on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then he'll line up on Sunday. Cause that's what Mac does. Right. Um, and people say, well, does he get out of shape? No, some bitch rides a bike all day. He does, <laughs> even during his press conferences. <laughs> I know. So I mean, he he stays in 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 good cardiovascular shape, and uh, so so that's not an issue. Uh, but you know, I think you know people say, well, he isn't. He didn't show up a lot last year. Well, how, doesn't he have three or four sacks too in the first? Mm-hmm. Indeed, three games. Yes. Okay. So the, the pass rush has gotten better. What, you know, they got a lot of turnovers the week before that, what they needed, the Cleveland defense was so good last week. What 
the Bears defense needed was to create some turnovers and they weren't able to do that. Right. Right. You know, but you know, I, I, I thought overall the defense played good enough to win. If there's any offense, they might win the game. Would have been an ugly as hell win, but so what? Absolutely. You'll <laughs> an ugly win in Cleveland against in fact, and, and go back, you know, and I don't again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the game because it that game it's Wednesday now. Yeah. But you know, some people criticize for the Bears not going for the touchdown and kicking the field goal. I thought the field goal was the right call. Mm-hmm. Because you missed the if you go for the touchdown and you don't get the touchdown, you're still down two scores. Mm-hmm. You kick the field goal, you're down one score. Mm-hmm. And and you've got to look at it that way. You got to look, okay, defense can go out and play a strong series. We can get the ball back and maybe we can get the offense together and go tie the game. Well, it didn't happen that way, but that's the way you got to think when you're when you're making that plan of whether to kick a field goal or go for the touchdown. Uh, Doug Dyer makes a really good point uh, about uh, Jalen Johnson that they, the Bears defense, Sean Desai, had him basically pretty much following Odell Beckham throughout the game. And that's something that the Bears defense rarely does because they don't want to give away that they're playing uh, uh, safety or man-to-man. So they usually leave their cornerbacks on the right side or the other guy on the left side. But this time – Odell, or excuse me, Jalen was following Odell Beckham. What's your thought about that? Vic used to do that. Okay. Vic would put Fuller on the best guy. And, and so it'd be flip-flopping. Right. Flip-flopping sides. And, you know, and, and it's not that easy for a corner to have to play both sides of the field because, you know, just like a left tackle or a right tackle, you got to change his footwork. It's the same thing with the corner. You got to change your footwork a little bit. Doug is challenging you and saying that uh, Vic Fangio really did not uh, change. No, there was there was times, and, and, and it could have been Pagano, but I guarantee you it was Fangio that that Fuller was covering the best man on the best receiver on the field. Okay, let's. Uh, I want to go back to the offensive line because a lot of people are uh, complaining about the play of Sam Mustafer at center. What's your evaluation about how he has played through three games this season? I didn't think he had a good game this past week. Mm-hmm. I think first two games he was okay, but the the uh, last week all of them didn't play good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you can go back to the, the the Notre Dame Florida State game and Brian Kelly's comment talk about the execution. He said, "Well, maybe they all should be executed." Well, that's, <laughs> that's the same thing. That, that that's the same thing with the Bears' offensive line. Last it, week, they didn't play good. Is that sort of common when you make a fairly dramatic switch? The two starting tackles from last year are no longer on the team, so you got. Well, no, two- I don't. I don't say that's a fair statement because if Fetty played what two thirds of the season or more than half at right tackle, right? Once Bobby and Matthews- he was and he was always a right tackle except for a few games at Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, you've got a new combination of tackles. And so I'm trying. just wondering if if perhaps, you know, they just need some more time at the position. I mean, it's a 17-game uh, regular season. Well, and so can yeah. we expect them yeah. to play better? Yeah. I mean, more than any other position group, you've got to have continuity mm-hmm. in the offensive line because they have to work together as one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go back and, 
what the plan the plan was was for Tevin Jenkins to be the the number one left tackle, and mm-hmm. you would have had an athletic guy at the left tackle and Fetty at the right tackle, and then the same three guys on the inside. But it it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, with, with Jenkins getting hurt, and you know, th- they're not saying exactly you know what his surgery was. You know, but hopefully this is, I mean, he's eligible to come off IR now, but, right. uh, and, and, and Matt did mention his name mm-hmm. today, you know, well, he's not ready to, to begin practice yet. You know, I would expect that it's probably going to be a total of six weeks, maybe, you know, six weeks into the season. And then he begins practicing and plays, hopefully plays the last half of the season, but mm-hmm. that, that still remains to be seen. Now, James Daniels was drafted to be the center of this team. He had some problems, particularly with uh, calling out uh, uh, assignments and so forth. Do you do you foresee a scenario where perhaps James Daniels is given another chance to play center? Yeah, I think that Mustafer is going to have to really play poorly over the next few games mm-hmm. for that to happen because they, they – you know, you got to you go back to the way he played last year, and he played pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he was a three-year starter at Notre Dame. He's a very, very smart guy. And part of the 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 play, of the the center is is the glue of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So he's got to come up. He's got to make all the, the line calls as far as the protections and things like that. That's his job. So you got to have a very astute guy, and and he can do that, and he can do that very well. Now, again, I, you know, I've talked to Olin about this. Olin is very high on Mustafer and he's very high on Daniels as a guard. He thought Daniels, that losing Daniels last year was one of the biggest losses to the old line. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, Bear Truth 9 says that he sort of detected that James Daniels was making the line adjustments against Cleveland. Did you see anything like that? Because I, 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 I have to go back and, and yeah. look at it. I didn't know and, and, like and see that I, I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Traditionally so, speaking, that's the center's job. Right. So uh, you've been critical of the Detroit lions uh, early in the season. And so what are your thoughts on them? Now they lost a heartbreaker against the Ravens after Jason Tucker hit a 66 yard field goal with no time left. Um, do you see? Yeah, they never the- should have had an opportunity to kick. By the way, <laughs> that's right. There was a controversy about that, or or kick a seventy-one yarder uh-huh. and see if he could have made that because there should have been a delay of game penalty. But that that's regarded. I, I, one thing I'll say is that team plays hard. They're mm-hmm. just not very good. Yeah, and they don't, they don't have the roster yet. Right, and the as bad as the Bears' offensive line is, their line might be worse, <laughs> and. They, I, I, I think the key to this game is the defense has to get after Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. You smack him in the face a couple times and he goes south. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's had uh, first half success in a couple of the games, but as the games wore on, uh, the offensive line just could not keep people off of him. So, right. That- and their wide receiver group, they, you know, if you look at it, they lost their wide receivers mm-hmm. pretty much. You know, they got a whole new group. 
I don't think there's a guy on that group that scares you. They got some running backs. Mm -hmm. So if you can stop the run and, and uh, keep those wide receivers at bay, pressure golf, you should win the game, but you got to score some points first. Right. And you've got to be careful against their play action because it appears to me that against the Rams and against the Browns, the Bears defense has had some challenges guarding play action. But, you know, you could say that perhaps about just about every team in the NFL. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about our excuse me. Let's talk about Arlington Heights. The news broke last night. The Athletic reported that the that uh, the, the Chicago Bears have signed a purchase agreement for the Arlington Arlington race, horse race, race park, whatever it's called. Arlington International, isn't that? Hell, you live right around the corner. You should know the <laughs> name of it. I've, I've lived there 15 years, and I've only gone to the race <laughs> <back> once. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about this? Is this just a power move on the behalf of the Chicago Bears to get oh, They bought money? the land. Yeah, but <laughs> they could they could do something else with it. Is some Well, yeah, they could they, – uh, are, are, are the bears in the uh, redo, or development business now? And they're going to, you know, put up hotels and all this other shit. Oh yeah. Let's, let's get into that side of the business. And so you think, the football team. Deal. you think this is a done deal. They're moving. Come on. Soldier field is a dump. You know it. I know it. I'm not it, it it's, it's a tiny stadium that was put together. There was a lot of political pressure to stay there. Mm -hmm. And you got a two, two small stadiums squeezed within the confines mm -hmm. of the old soldier field. I'll tell you, and I, I wish I still had email because I was at the Notre Dame, Wisconsin game mm -hmm. and it was a Wisconsin home game. So I got an email from the SID it was, and, and it was a group email. It wasn't just sent to me. Mm -hmm. um, came out Monday apologizing now this has nothing to do with the Bears. This has to do with the Park District, okay? Because they run the they run the stadium. That's right. And but the atrocious conditions in the press box. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's the worst press box in the NFL. Have you ever been up there? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's there's nothing wrong with being in the corner end zone in the mm -hmm. new stadiums. That's where they are. But if if you're and if you're sitting in the there's three rows. If you're sitting in the front row, you got a good view of everything. You get an obstructed view in the second row, unless you're on the you like a corner seat of, of you know each desk. And I had that, so I was a little lucky. <laughs> if you're in the third row, you can't see half the field. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so you can't the, the near side. What is that? The uh, the east sideline. Mm -hmm. You only can see about half of that field, you know, because so, so you're missing the game. I mean, yeah. it, it's useless. You got to stand up to see anything. Um, you know, it, it's cramped, but they also had problems with food service, drinks, everything else. And so th this guy said, you know, we control everything in the Wisconsin press box. We didn't have control of, of what was going on here. We apologize and, and we beg for your forgiveness and everything. It's a nice email the guy sent out, but that just tells you some of the problems that you have at, at Soldier Field. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, the, you know, the minimal concession stands, the problems you got with the, with the restrooms, everything. And, you know, so 
And the mayor, I guess I didn't hear it. I just heard about it. You know, she comes on and the uh, on with uh, Molly and Hall this morning, and she was saying, "Well, you know, we're going to do everything we can to keep the Bears in Chicago, and I'm going to hold them to that lease." Guess what, lady? I mean, she is so far out of touch with reality. Uh, yeah. It's over. Mm. They're gone. Yeah. It. Uh, I, I advocate the move, but it is sad that we have uh, people running the park district and running the city who just don't get it. Uh, so um, that's the only political thing I'll say on, on this show or ever again on this show. Um, wanted to ask you about the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. You said you were there. You've coached the – you've scouted the, the Notre Dame team now for three games, I believe. What is your assessment of the this Notre Dame team? Are they improving? I saw a bit of the game, and I saw some improvement in the offensive line based on what I saw the first two games. Your thoughts? Their, their offensive line is struggling. And, you know, they got – they had a rookie – a rookie, a, a freshman, true freshman starting at – the left tackle position that's a freak. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Fisher, and he got hurt in the first game, like at the beginning of the third quarter in the first game. And so he's been out ever since, and he he might be out the rest of the season. It, mm -hmm. It's, you know, they're not saying exactly, he had surgery, they're not saying exactly what, but if he had um, meniscal repair surgery versus a meniscopy, is that how you call it? the uh a meniscectomy then you know a, a meniscal repair can take four to five months to recover from mm -hmm. it's a lot better for the player mm -hmm. but he isn't coming back because when you have a when they just clip the torn part of the meniscus and you know you're wrapped up you're not in a cast and you're you know you, you you're back you're almost back to normal within a week i've had three of them between my two knees and, 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 wow. you know, I was doing everything I wanted to do a couple days after surgery, you get some swelling, you can't play football right away. You might, you know, might be three weeks away from playing football, but when, when they do a repair, you know, they take, there's a, there's a, a hole in the, in the meniscus, so to speak, or in the cartilage and they suture it back together. Well, that's got to heal and that takes months. But in the long run, that's better for the player because you don't have that, that still that gap in the meniscus, which leads to arthritic changes because you get a, you start, you have more wearing away of that opening and then you get more bone on bone situation. Hmm. How come Wisconsin can't uh, get good quarterback play other than that one season with Russell Wilson? I don't recall there ever being a, a Wisconsin quarterback yeah, they, talking about. Uh, yeah, they 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 just don't recruit really well at that position. But how about this? They decided to keep the guy that played over the kid that played for Notre Dame, Cone. Mm -hmm. Cone was the starter the year before he got hurt in preseason last year. Oh, so he was going to miss the season. So Mertz plays, so they tell both of them Mertz is going to be the quarterback this year. Cohen says, oh, sorry, I'm leaving, because he was a, he was going to graduate anyway. So yeah. he's a graduate transfer to Notre Dame. Now, he's not great because he's uh, – you and I are more mobile, and we're old men. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's a statue. 
but he mm-hmm. can throw the ball pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mertz is just, he's, he's pitiful. I mean, Wisconsin is traditionally a big, slow, powerful, strong running football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Notre Dame took away their run game, put a lot of pressure on Mertz. And then, I mean, just, blew their socks off in the fourth quarter. I think they had three or four turnovers in the fourth quarter. Amazing. Scored on two pick sixes, Mm -hmm. almost scored on another interception. So, um, but, but Notre Dame, they're four and oh, but I don't think, I don't see them as a playoff team because their offensive line isn't good enough. Mm. You know, their offensive line is, is they're, they're playing with upperclassmen. Their better players are, Young guys, but the young guys aren't quite ready to play yet. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. the better players, and 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 in coaches in situations like that, they always go with the experienced guys. But, the, uh, but it, it's they'll get better as the season goes on. But right now, they're playing with literally their third string left tackle because then the guy who replaced Fisher, he got hurt. He might be ready this week, but who knows? And the guy who's playing now is a redshirt freshman, true mm-hmm. sophomore redshirt freshman. You know, he's a right tackle or a guard. He can't play left tackle. He's just not agile enough, quick right. enough. You know, so you know that they're they're struggling with that part of the game. Last question for you, and I know you're going to scoff at it, but I play along with me here out of the teams that you have scouted Notre Dame, Wisconsin and and Notre Dame's opponents. And I think you've gone to a couple of other games. Has there been a player that you looked at and said, boy, that guy would be a good fit for the Chicago bears offense. or the Chicago bears defense, Uh, it's never too early. I think to talk about scouting and to talk about the NFL draft, is there somebody out there who you see as a second, third, fourth, fifth round draft pick and say, boy, the guy, the guy I'd love to see play for the bears is Kyle Hamilton, but he's going to be counting his money before the bears. pick. He'll be, he'll be a great safety in the league. Mm-hmm. And he can play free or strong. He can play man cover. You know, he's a little bit of a long, not a little bit of a long strider. He is a long strider, but he still has that suddenness that a that a corner has. And uh, you know, his speed from the center of the field to the to the sideline to break up passes and his toughness, ball skills, all of the above, just amazing. I mean, he could be a top five pick. And you don't see safeties usually go that high. Yeah, yeah, that is for sure. Uh, I think uh, the last one was the guy that I fell in love with the year. Um, well, maybe he wasn't even top five. Uh, the year uh, Trubisky came out, I was all for uh, Jamal Adams uh, making uh, being drafted by the Bears with that number three overall s- spot. So um, I loved Patrick Mahomes. You know, but- story about Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. his dad is George Adams. Oh, I didn't know and that. I, yeah, and as my first draft with New York, he was our first draft pick, first round draft pick. He was a running back in Kentucky. How and about then George that? got hurt? I think his second year in the league, mm-hmm. he got hit in the hip, and he got that what do you call it, necrosis or something, similar to what Bo Jackson had. Mm-hmm. But you know, Bo was able to come back from it. George wasn't. George played maybe three or four years, but 
after he got that, and what it is, you get like a dead spot in the in, in the bone, and and he just was never able to come back from it. Great guy too. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> no, not for a running back. All right. Well, uh, Greg and I will be back at our usual time Monday. Uh, we'll be talking about a Bears win, <laughs> right? Greg, you want to make a prediction prediction on the game? I, I think they're going to go. You're going to see a pissed off team this week. Ooh, I like pissed off Bears teams, <laughs> especially if they win. <laughs> All right. So Greg and I will be back next Monday around 11. We like to come on after Matt Nagy's press conference. So we'll play that by ear, but certainly let you know the best way to know what we're doing is to Doesn't he usually do that on Mondays right around 11. Yeah, he does. So maybe we should kind of plot a 12 p.m. start uh that way yeah. I mean, just, you know we both listen to the press conference we can just start right after yeah like indeed sounds perfect to me greg thanks a lot uh you're getting all sorts of uh platitudes in uh the no, chat room. yeah but who, who who's telling me to go screw or whatever uh let's see i think we've got a 10 to 1 ratio we love you versus one. No, I disagree. So it's no no FUs, nothing, nothing uh, vitriolic. Boy, my, my vocabulary today is just outstanding. That one's too big for me. <laughs> I'm not even sure I used it right. <laughs> but or it's, did you make up a word? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to do that. <laughs> All right, Greg, thanks very much. Uh, I'm going to let you go and let people know a little bit about what we have coming on the rest of the day here on the Barroom Network. Greg, we'll see you next week. Um, we have Buffon 55 today, and we got a very special guest on Buffon 55, Jeffrey Risden. He covers uh, the Detroit Lions, and I've known Jeff for a few years now. And this guy is really fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him on video for the first time, uh, talking with John Buffon. And I'll be filling in for Alyssa Barbieri. Uh, and so we'll uh, we'll quiz him on everything that's going on in Detroit and with the Lions. Uh, before that, uh, coming up in about uh, 40 minutes, if you're a hockey fan, please stay tuned for Bar Down Talking Hockey. The Parisi brothers host co-host that show, and they are fired up. Why? Because the puck has dropped. Preseason games are underway, so they're going to give us the lowdown on what we can expect from the Blackhawks and some other NHL teams. That's always a great hour of uh, of webcasting for hockey fans. And then tomorrow we are, Mike North is uh, taking a day off tomorrow. He's attending to some personal business, but we've got Crosstown Crosstalk, our Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, MLB talk show. Again, that's co-hosted by the Parisi brothers. And then tomorrow night, Danny Shimon has been pouring over the tape. He uh, sent me a text message saying, do we? Do I really have to do this? And I said, yes, Danny, pick out some plays that best exemplifies what went wrong. He goes, okay. So to do him the favor of tuning in tomorrow for Bear Truth at 8 p.m. Central. And, of course, on Sunday, don't forget, the, the Barfly Tailgate guys will get you started at 8 a.m. Central to get you set for that Lions game. And if you're into fantasy football, as I am, my record is one and two, so I need to uh, really tune into Sunday's show uh, to get my, to get to 500. It is the Fantasy Football Goon Show. And all you got to do is uh, come on to the YouTube and ask your questions as to who to start, who to, who to sit, and uh, those guys will – take good care of you all right uh let me see if there's anything left here on the comments oh tonga analysis uh mule um 
Let's talk with Danny about that tomorrow because as as people who follow Danny closely know that he was not a huge fan of Kairos Tonga and uh, Neil Stopchinski was. And by the way, Neil Stopchinski, I forgot to say this, he's going to appear on, on, on Buffon 55. So I'll make sure to ask him about his evaluation of uh, of Tonga. So he'll be on tonight for that segment of Buffon 55 that's called Buffon's Basement. So we'll ask Neil Stopchinski his thoughts on Tonga. So uh what time, Emil? What time? Uh, what time for what? <laughs> um, just uh, hit the subscribe button, and you'll get all the times for all of our shows. We'll keep you posted, and of course, if you follow me at Barroom Network on Twitter, uh, we'll uh, do a good job of communicating with you what time shows are and what you can expect. That's it for this episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. I will see you soon.